I just want to let you know as we begin today that I am in no way cool enough to preach after that song. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's January 10th, and we're in the second part of our Drunk Door series, and we're talking about excuses and I just want to say that today's message will not be about the five steps to success for getting rid of your excuses. I, I hope to lean into something a little deeper and, and to set up a, a, a little bit more biblical framework for uh, what the Bible might say about excuses, specifically what Jesus says about excuses in one particular parable called the parable of the feast. Well, I have a question. I'm going to give you about five seconds to impress your friends if you know who this person is. If you Google it, you cheated. Do you know who Florence Chadwick is? I, nobody impressed anybody just then. Maybe somebody at home impressed somebody at home. Well, Florence Chadwick uh, was a swimmer, and she was the first woman to swim the English Channel. And uh, she also tried other swimming feats, and one of them in particular is she tried to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California back to the shore, but she failed. And the reason she failed is why it's newsworthy, why we remember it. You see, it wasn't the cold water, it wasn't the muscle cramps, it wasn't the, the stinging jellyfish, the shark-infested waters. It was the fog. A fog rolled into her swim, and she couldn't see where she was, and she didn't have confidence in the direction that she was going. And so she called it quits, got out of the water, climbed onto the boat, and found out from the captain of the boat on that day that she was actually only about a mile from the shore of California. But the fog came in. She lost perspective and she found a reason to quit. Well, excuses work a little bit like that, don't they? They, they give us reasons to, to quit uh, what we otherwise know as a, a good and noble goal or a good and noble path. Well, I want to give a little context for the parable today that we'll dive into. You see, the people Jesus is talking about today in Luke chapter 14 are in, in many ways just as disciplined as Florence Chadwick. They were the uh, religious and social leaders of their day. That's who Jesus is having dinner with, the, the upper crust of the world, those who had accomplished and achieved, but also we'll find out that maybe they were just as blind to their place in life, that they lived in a fog, lacking perspective about reality. They, in so many words, as they talked with Jesus, were a mile from shore, and they had excuses for not finding it. Well, there are two key passages that sort of uh, bookend what Jesus is going to tell us in, in, in this parable. And, and the uh, conversation that Jesus is happening actually starts back in Luke 14, verse 1, where, where Jesus, it just says Jesus is gathered with some prominent Pharisees and um, 
he uh, begins to talk about how they uh, need to watch what they're aiming for. And he notices how when they come in for dinner, they jockey for position around the table, the seat of honor. And so Jesus shares these words with them at this dinner. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Tuck that away. Shortly after Jesus shares the parable of the wedding feast, the crowds come to him and and want to know more about what it means to be a follower. And Jesus says to them these words. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Well, those are two pretty familiar verses of Scripture for folks who have Uh, been following Jesus for a while and who have opened the Bible and studied it. And and they may be new to you, but but the point is today that they sort of bookend this passage in Luke. But before we get to that passage, let's take a minute and let's just talk about excuses. And I like like that excuse about um, bringing your wife back. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Well, Benjamin Franklin says this about excuses. He says, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Yeah, that's the guy on your money, Benjamin Franklin. Vance Habner says this, an excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. That one gets me too, but we're not done yet. Here, here, here's the one that this guy brings it down. In fact, in fact, this quote was in all caps. Are you ready for it? Excuses are tools of incompetence used to build bridges to nowhere and monuments of nothingness. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> right. Well, Uh, Let me say this, to to a follower of Jesus, and I think what we'll discover today is that an excuse is this. An excuse is when passing the buck beats trusting the Father. Because ultimately, an excuse is just passing the buck onto something else. We we, we know the, the right thing to do. We know the right decision. We know what we could do, what we should do. Many times we even have a clear idea of the opportunity that lies ahead of us, and the excuse is passing the buck onto someone else, blaming someone else or something else or some circumstance or blaming my mama for not raising me right or whatever it is. Excuses haunt us, don't they? They're all over Scripture. I mean, right there in the beginning, you know, Eve was like, well, it was the serpent. And and Adam was like, well, it was Eve. And and, and so it begins. One of of the best excuses in Scripture is actually from Aaron in the book of Exodus. Uh, Moses uh, went away for a little bit. So the Hebrew people, while he was away, getting the Ten Commandments, by the way, while he was away, they made a golden calf. They collected all their jewelry, melted the jewelry down, and literally made a golden calf. And Moses comes back and he says, Aaron, what happened? Where did this golden calf come from? (laughs) Now, you can't make this stuff up, but it's in the Bible. Aaron says, well, 
we threw all of our gold in the fire and out came this calf. You make excuses like that? We all do, don't we? And our excuses haunt us. Our excuses release us from from healthy decisions. They they release us from, from having a positive attitude. They, most importantly, many times release us from God's place in our life and God's calling for our future. See, excuses end up setting our priorities instead of God. Excuses allow us to live in a space where we know, we know, we know we can do better. But I want to be careful today because there is a difference between a reason and an excuse. So, so today is not about a guilt trip for having a good reason. And, and I want to say, especially in this uh, COVID season, you know, everybody's handling COVID differently. You know, we know every week that we have just as many folks join us online as we do in person. Everybody is living in a different space and making a different decision. So, so don't feel pushed or shamed into anything that would be dangerous to you, especially regarding COVID. I felt the need to say that during this season. I hope I never feel the need to say that again, you know? But sometimes a reason is different from an excuse. Now, you've heard that old excuse about the dog ate my homework, right? But sometimes that is an actual reason. A friend of mine posted this picture on Facebook uh, studying for a sermon. Uh, she took a break. This picture. <laughs> studying for a sermon, she took a break. And the dog literally ate most of the book of Esther and much of the book of Job. It was going to be hard to preach from either one of those books that day. Now, that's the reason. Now, a week later, the excuse is you didn't go buy a new Bible, right? We, we have one of our staff members, um, Jake Davis. You know him? Didn't he do a great job last week preaching about positivity? If you didn't, if you didn't hear that message, yeah, indeed. And uh, if you didn't hear that message, go pick it up um, from last week. But Jake sends an email to me over Christmas break, complete with a picture of a check that is pieced back together. And he says, my dog ate my check. Can I get another one? <laughs> Isn't that great? Now, that was a reason not to be able to cash that check. Now, if, if he tells his wife, like, Haley, I'm just not going to get paid this month, that's an excuse, right? So reasons aren't the same as excuses. And we're not talking about good reasons today. We're talking about excuses. What are the excuses in your junk drawer. What do they look like? They're different for everybody. We're all in a different place in life. God's working on us in a different place in life. You know, is it something traditional about right now? A diet? That exercise? A habit? Or getting organized? You know, I went to Walmart yesterday and walked down the organization aisle. They only had like two plastic buckets left. They were all gone. We're all getting organized right now, apparently. 
Or is it something uh, emotional that, that is working on you? Uh, an attitude, an insecurity, a place of anger? Is it something uh, secret? Unforgiveness? A betrayal you're wrestling with? A, a secret sin that you know you got to get free from? Is it something God is calling you toward? Like maybe something at, at work, a change or a, a leaning into excellence or a conversation you need to have. Maybe it's something at home, an, an act of kindness, a, a change in yourself at home. Maybe it's something at church. Uh, God is calling you toward stepping in towards uh, participating and not watching, towards serving and not applauding others doing it. God is calling you forward in that place. And I can't say that without saying sign-ups are coming, the 24th and the 31st. Well, you see, excuse, an excuse, if the problem is passing the buck, if the problem is passing the buck, then the solution would be trusting the Father. So let's look at that parable I was talking about just a little bit earlier. You see, Jesus is invited to have dinner again with um, prominent Pharisees. And as an invited guest, he's having a nice meal and he's uh, probably reclining at the table and he's talking with the company and they invited him because he was a very interesting person and they're probably talking and debating and we find out from this passage that they are asking him tough questions which they so often did to Jesus. And at one point, Jesus says, hey, all of you prominent folks, when you do this again, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Folks in that age who, um, thankfully, we've gotten past this, but folks are mostly past this, but folks in that age who probably would have been objectified and outcast as people maybe who God didn't like because they were that way. And Jesus says, invite them in. He says, when you do that, there'll be a reward in heaven. And here's where the parable begins. Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. That's a true statement, right? But based on what Jesus is about to say, this man and his friends were blind to what that kingdom actually looked like. In fact, this man and his friends were sort of swimming in the fog a mile from shore, and they had many excuses for not participating in the kingdom that was arriving with Jesus Christ and the kingdom that we are all invited to participate in. Well, we continue. Jesus replied, a certain man, God, the Father, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, the, the kingdom, and invited many guests. At the time of, the, now notice he invited them. There's two invitations here. 
At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. So there was this first invitation that went out, reserve the day. Yes, you're in. Thank you. Now I know how much food to prepare. And then we went and we prepared the food and we set the table. And then we went back out and said, the food is ready. You can come in now. Come on over. It was at that second invitation that we find the next verse, but they all alike began to have reasons. Nope. They all alike began to make excuses. Now let's, let's look at these excuses. There's three of them. And the next excuse... Um, is this the first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Who buys a field before they see it? Isn't there a song, isn't there a country song about that? It's some oceanfront property in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm cool enough for that one. Then another excuse comes. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, what in the world? We don't live in an agrarian culture. What in the world was he talking about? What he said here is, I just bought a new boat and I haven't been out on the water yet. I must go sailing. An excuse. And the third excuse is even a little stranger. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And I'm just wondering if this is the woman in the back of the police car or not. <laughs> what? You don't want to, like, you can't go to the, you can't come to the party with your new wife? What's going on? What's tempting to look at these three excuses and to try to draw some some modern parallel to them and say the first excuse is about business and the second excuse is about entertainment and the third excuse is about relationships and these are the things that will distract us from really following Jesus. But you know what? That's not the point of Jesus. So you want to know the point? The point is that all of these excuses are absurd when compared to the invitation that is at stake. You see, these folks have been invited to a feast at the table of the Father. They have been invited to participate in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God was present in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the point of this passage. You see, the parable... It's about excuses, but it's, it's about trust. See, there's this great banquet. It's like, it's like golden corral without any of the germs or the calories and all the foods prepared by a chef. Isn't that good? And I remember one time I took my two daughters dress shopping. Y'all, we went to every store in the mall. And when we're done, we're tired. I took them to Golden Corral, you know, and dad's going to take them out. My daughters were so impressed. They said, I would like to meet the chef. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's what God's feast is going to be like. It's going to be like a buffet prepared by an actual chef. 
I hope my daughters have been to better restaurants by now. It's like fried chicken without the grease or, or Krispy Kreme without all the fat and sugar. It's like one of those chocolate fountains that no five-year-old has ever stuck their hand in and it has vitamins in it. Well, that's just a little bit silly, isn't it? It's a little hard, actually, to, to grasp and describe the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, tells us that, um, in the preface, that it was easy to write. If you don't know, The Screwtape Letters is C.S. Lewis's fictional book about what a conversation between demons might look like while they're trying to tempt us humans. He said, that was easy to write. He said, what I would have a really hard time writing would be the conversations between the good angels trying to inspire us to be part of the kingdom. Because as human beings, so many times when it comes to God's kingdom, we live in a little bit of a fog, and so it requires trusting the Father. The kingdom, in so many ways, began when Jesus arrived. It, it, it began when Jesus instructed us to pray, let it be on earth as it would be in heaven. We find in Scripture, Philippians 4.8, to think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. Why? Because these are the things of the kingdom. These align our heart with our Father in heaven, and Scripture tells us in that passage they give us peace. Do you remember that? See, this kingdom is not just thrills of this world, it's the fullness of God. This kingdom is, is not just a, a quick fix, it's, it's a personal experience of the divine. This kingdom is not just being an excuse overcomer. This kingdom is an entirely different way to live. This kingdom is not just prominence and achievement. This kingdom is the, being humble enough to follow the king. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other path. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. There's no hunger. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. There's no darkness. Jesus said, I'm the door and the gate. There's no confusion. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. There's no separation from God. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. There's no uneasy yoke in him. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of the life. There is no death in him. The kingdom of God is almost unimaginable and indescribable, but it is exactly what Jesus calls us toward, is exactly what exists on the other side of excuses. And it's not grunting our way through those excuses that will get us there is accepting the invitation to the feast that's already been prepared for us. Have you accepted the invitation? Are you still trying to earn God's love and you're hoping 2021 will be the time when you finally get it right? God tells us we'll never get it right on this side of heaven but we're still invited to the table. And at the table, it's not like he doesn't say don't try. 
Man, we're told to work out our salvation. We're told to press on toward the goal. The lady caught in adultery was told to go and sin no more. It's not like we don't try. But the primary function of getting beyond our excuses is accepting the invitation to the table. Well, this parable, <laughs> it ends. I just want you to listen. We're not putting words It says that after the excuses, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, isn't that just obvious? The ones who accepted the first invitation but then didn't accept the second invitation and actually stepped toward the banquet and come to the banquet, they didn't get to taste the food. And they had many excuses. Jesus invites us to trust the Father, to accept the invitation and join the feast. I couldn't find in Scripture where Jesus gave us five steps to success with excuses. I could find an invitation to be part of the kingdom of God, though. And and, uh, in closing, I I think it works a little bit like this. Any of you guys ever look at YouTube? (laughs) No, nobody looks at YouTube, right? Well, I found recently these uh, pranks of a guy who goes to the gym, and he's pretty buff, you know. He's got some muscles going on there, and he's popping out, you know. And, and he, he grabs weights that, you know, obviously would uh, maybe work, and, he, and, he, and, and they secretly film people looking at him when he, he grunts really loudly. So he'll, he'll grab a weight, and he'll be like, you know, and maybe it's not even big, and he'll be like, And then he'll throw the weight down. He'll be like, I crushed it like that. And it's just funny because people are just looking at him like just like you were just looking at me. And, and, and it was like, what are you doing? And I share that with you. Say, I think that when we try to grunt it out, when we try to suck it up buttercup, I think God looks at us a little bit like, what are you doing? I'm inviting you to the feast. I'm inviting you to the table. I'm inviting you into the kingdom. Accept the invitation. Lean into me. Let me share one last thing. Sometimes it's alien to us. Just like C.S. Lewis when he talked about it was easy to write about darkness and evil. It's harder to write about what's good. Sometimes when we start hanging on to that spirit and we start hanging on to that kingdom, it's alien to us and we want to let go. I'm reminded of a youth pastor, Mark Nicewander, who who told me about a game he used to play with his youth. And decades ago, there was this type of phone that was in a box. 
and it had a thing on the side that you would spin, and that's what made it work, and it would cause a little bit of electricity to come out. And he got a hold of one of those ancient phones, and he'd take it to, to youth group or student ministry, and he would, he'd have uh, the students get in a circle, and one of them would put their finger in there, and then somebody on the other side would begin to crank that phone, and they would crank it. And you could not crank this hard enough to cause any pain, but this electrical current would begin to flow around the circle, and the game was who would let go first. As the crank got faster and faster and faster and the current began to flow, who was going to jump out of the circle and not trust what was happening to them? Friends, God is good. We can trust him. We can trust the Father. Life happens. Life happens when this happens. Life happens when trusting the Father beats passing the buck. And trusting the Father is the thing that will ultimately beat passing the buck. I can't do it of my own strength. But thanks be to God, Jesus lives and he saves me. And through his strength, I can join the kingdom. Remember those first two passages? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus invites us not to grunt through our excuses, but to accept his invitation to join the kingdom humbly in every area of our lives. Let's pray. God, help us in this coming year, Lord, more than anything else, to come to you, to run to you. God, to seek your kingdom, to seek your presence, God, and to accept your invitation to be part something we don't fully understand. But God, help us trust that as we lean into you, you'll open our eyes, you'll open our mind, you'll open our heart, that your Holy Spirit will throw for us in such a way that many of our excuses will become a thing of the past. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.